Welcome to a new episode of Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos and I work in Silicon Valley. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a journey the last couple of months, global pandemic and all, and I hope that you're home safe, taking all the precautions. And I thank you for your patience as new episodes are coming out. For those of you that follow my other podcast, Conexiones in Spanish, you've noticed that I've been putting out a lot of content in Spanish. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel, a brand new YouTube channel. So I've been spending a lot of energy and a lot of time in growing that over the last couple of months. And if you happen to be watching this in YouTube right now, uh, again, this is not news for you, but I'm also starting to post the podcast episodes for Latinos Who Tech, the English podcast, in YouTube as well. So you can check it out and like, subscribe, comment down below, do all those things. Uh, oh my gosh, am I really gonna <laughs> start becoming a YouTuber? Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest, you know, part of this, uh, the pandemic, what's going on, is actually, it has drawn me to start creating video content. Because I find that I can not only connect better with guests when we are watching each other across the screen, but also as a consumer of podcasts, as a consumer of content, I am listening less and less audio-only podcasts, and I'm focusing more on video podcasts as a consumer. Mainly because I miss seeing people's faces, <laughs> to be honest. And again, over the last couple of months, I actually started shifting and putting the conexiones content in YouTube. And I look forward to doing the same with Latinos Who Tech, now that we're back. And don't worry, I got uh, 10 episodes already recorded for all of you. And I've been talking with folks from Google, Facebook, entrepreneurs, uh, and again, folks that I think you would find interesting uh, here from the tech industry and STEM in general. And I think that now that, again, most of us are working remotely, uh, again, and we can work from anywhere where there's internet, I think that now more than ever, you can tell that Silicon Valley is not only a place, but it's more of a way of thinking. So the idea that there's some weird creatures out there like us that we actually think in sprints and stand-up meetings and we think about, oh, okay, I need to build a minimum valuable product and launch it and measure and run my analytics and all those things. So all the things that the people that we work in tech that we take for second nature, I find that a lot of us uh, are experiencing this working remote. I think that... Again, we're going to start seeing that more and more. Folks working remotely, uh, not only in Silicon Valley, but across the, the whole world. And we're going to start seeing an exodus of people living California in general. I think that, uh, so right now it's August uh, 2020. And I feel that every time that I go for a walk around the neighborhood, I see three or four U-Haul trucks being loaded up. So, again, uh, this is what I see happening around me. Uh, I have a couple good friends, people that have been to the podcast, that they've actually turned in their apartments from San Francisco and moved over to Miami, Atlanta. Uh, I have a friend, a really good friend, that he's a, he's a bit out there. Uh, so he actually he bought a ranch in Wyoming. So he actually got a ranch uh, sometime last year. And when COVID hit, he actually decided that, listen, uh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm leaving California. I'm going to move to Wyoming. Because uh, he had this vacation home kind of situation going on. So he decided to move over there with his uh, wife and daughter. So again, I find that uh, if you have the skill set right now, and you are in that point of your career that you want to do something new, something else, I encourage you to look at uh, jobs that can be done 100% remotely. And, uh, and again, you know, I know that I bring a lot of programmers and uh, developers to the show, but to work in tech, you don't need to be a programmer. I mean, you need people that are good at digital marketing, people that know about SEO, and people that know tech sales, 
uh, people like me that we do technical marketing or competitive intelligence or what have you. Uh, so we are not all programmers here in tech. And I think that also through the, the body of work that I have in Latino Tech, you can see that there's a, quite a sample of different career paths that you can take. And that brings me to the or sponsor or first sponsor for this episode is uh, Platzi. So Platzi is an online platform where anybody can learn how to code, how to uh, do digital marketing, how to do... Uh, they can learn about technical technical sales. They can learn about coding languages and libraries and all kinds of entrepreneurial knowledge. So things about how do you validate your startup idea? How do you ask venture capitalists for money? How do you go about creating a, a pitch deck? All those things you can learn in Platzi. And I'll leave you the links in the show notes or you can go to platzi.com and check it out. And they're sponsoring the show now, so I'm really grateful for their support. And I'll be completely transparent. I've been a happy Platzi user for the last year and a half. And I actually took their podcasting course when I was thinking about, hey, how can I actually monetize my content? How can I make my content more engaging? And it's worked. It's worked. You know, so I decided to launch a Patreon that, again, you can follow in the, in the show notes. And I've been able to grow the podcast and make it run by itself, if you will. So check out Platzi. Uh, I'll leave you a link here down below that you can follow. Also, uh, we're brought to you uh, by Audible. Now that we have a little bit more of time in our hands, I realize that not, uh, you know, most of us are not commuting. So that idea of actually putting an audiobook and listening to it on your commute to work. Again, that, not, that might not be as attractive right now. But I realized that I still consume audiobooks and podcasts when I go for my walks around the neighborhood. And also, something really interesting about Audible is that they actually have a lot of free books for children. So, story storytelling and uh, children's stories... And they've uh, released a lot of them for free. So if you have kids at home and you're looking at ways of keeping them entertained and also keeping them a bit, uh, again, it's not an easy situation right now with the fact that uh, a lot of us are still doing shelter in place and social distancing. I find that it's a good alternative. Uh, So Audible, check it out. Uh, There's a a link down below or you can go to audible.com slash latinos and check it out. It's actually audibletrial.com uh, slash latinos, and check it out. So in this episode of the podcast, I spoke with my really good friend, Vanessa Diaz, PhD. And Dr. Vanessa, she actually had a... Again, uh, she's going through the same thing that we're, all of us are going right now. This whole idea of communicating with friends, family and co-workers via Zoom or other virtual platforms. But she has an interesting take on this situation because she's also a research assistant professor over at Virginia Tech. So not only is she figuring out, like uh, we are, the whole situation on how do you teach a class online, uh, but also as a mother, uh, how she can educate uh, both her children at home. So we spoke about this whole idea of going back to school and the challenges that we have and that students will have to not only learn, but also get that college experience in fall 2020. And we also, we did some catch up uh, because that's what we do. So again, uh, I hope that uh, you enjoyed the episode and I'm happy to be back. If you have any feedback, you can shoot me a note that Hello at latinoswhotech.com and you can also send me um, you know, your thoughts, questions, or things that you want to see or hear in the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at latinoswhotech and you can also sign up for a newsletter that you can find in the latinoswhotech.com website. 
So I leave you with la doctora Vanessa Diaz. Thank you. Welcome to Latinos with Tech. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. How are you? I am very well. I'm really, I am very well. I am, thankfully, I still have a job. <laughs> I still have a job. I am healthy. I live in an area with, that currently has very low COVID infections. So um, we've only had one outbreak, really, in the area. In the whole county, there's maybe 97 cases tallied. So it, it has been, yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's a low infection, but also it has been a very responsible response from the community and from the university. And so, yeah, so I'm thankful and I am well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy to hear. Yeah, same in Silicon Valley. Uh, well, the California numbers, they have been going down. Uh, okay. But again, I wonder, I wonder, again, with all the, the protests and all the situation yeah. that's happening around Black Lives Matters. I've seen protests where people are covering their faces and practicing social distancing, which is fantastic. I think people should, again, if you are compelled to go out and protest, do it by all means, but again, do it safely. Uh, yeah. But I still put it in my in my calendar, uh, June fourteenth. That's going to be like two weeks after the protest. So let's check yeah. the numbers then. <laughs> we'll see. Even even right right now, we're starting to see the increase in cases from the first state reopenings, like like Georgia and Memorial Day weekend. And yeah, right now we're seeing the. <laughs> We're seeing the uptick in cases, so so I, I imagine that that that's that's going to happen in two weeks as well. Yeah. 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 No, we'll see. Insofar, my my attitude is that if I don't have to go out, I I, I don't. Uh, I don't. If I don't have to expose myself, I I don't. And uh, I find that we build so many habits around it in the way that we get out of the house and get into the house uh, that those are going to be hard to break. You know, like uh, shoes outside and uh, wiping down. Uh, I mean, for the folks that are just listening to this, uh, like I wear glasses every day and just wiping them down every time I come back into the house. I mean, that's a, that's going to be hard to break. So do you think that Latinos are going to go back to kissing on the cheek after this? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but it's going to be... There's going to be a, a lot of awkward encounters uh, in 2021, <laughs> uh, especially Christmas 2020 is going to be funny for a lot of folks. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's inevitable, right? But I find that we have that Latino bullying thing going on. Like I, I was a vegetarian for two years and I remember my cousins being, ay, pero por qué? Like, no, but, but not even tuna fish. You don't even eat tuna. Like, no, it's, it's, it's fish. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not vegetarian. So I wondered yeah. that I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of tíos, tías are going to be like, ay, pero abraza tu tío. Like, uh, you know, please uh, don't be in that fact, tío. I mean, be mindful of that. We had uh, an encounter along those lines. So, so there are not a lot of Latinos in Blacksburg. And so we were out hiking and we saw another family. And it was a very, it was an affront a little bit when the dad extended his hand to shake my my husband's hand and we looked at the hand I mean this was maybe a month ago so it was like right in the middle of and mm -hmm. we looked at his, his his hand and he said Ay, no se van a poner right so it was like yes yes we actually are gonna start with those dumb things <laughs> Yeah. So, so I know, I know exactly what you mean. We've already experienced that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know, I don't know how much of that is it that, uh, and, and I will just include myself in that, in that population, but people that are very risk averse and very, like, I worry naturally about, about things. So I'm thinking of, okay, how can we create a safe environment? How can I make sure that all of our needs are taken care of and that we're comfortable and safe. Like, like physical safety to me is like the, the most important thing. 
uh, even before COVID. I mean, the fact that, yes, I will spend a little bit more money to live in a safe neighborhood, or yes, I will pay extra to make sure that, uh, again, I don't have to expose myself to being in, in danger, right? So it's, I worry about folks in Florida, Georgia, those places that have opened up their states. Because uh, I've seen, and I have friends that, that they do this, they, they podcast, they make content, and they're in Miami making content, everybody in the same room, playing drinking games, like, really? Like, oh my gosh, it's, uh, I don't know. I fully embrace being that person that does those estupideces, like, I fully embrace it. That I'm going to be the one walking around with sanitizer and a mask on till I have a vaccine. That, that's me. Let's see. Uh, doctora, you're part of the faculty at Virginia Tech. You got your PhD in developmental psychology. And you are my, you're one of my professor friends. So <laughs> I'm wondering, what, does the, what do you think the future of college education is going to be like? Especially... Class of 2020 wasn't able to walk. I'm, I'm curious the psychological repercussions of that for, for folks. But I'm curious on your take. What do you think the, the future of college education will, will look like? So I think, I think right now, college, college uh, higher education is being tasked to, to ask ourselves what you know, at the core, what is it that we are really offering, right? Because, because right now there are so many offerings on online, right? So that that it's, it's almost like you could teach yourself and you can sign up for courses for almost, every, for almost everything content-wise that you would get from a college education. You can get that outside of college, right? And so, and so I think... Uh, that is the current conflict that we are experiencing in, 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 in higher ed, that I think it's become very clear that the, that the true value in what we offer at the core is that interaction, right? Is the access, for example, that students have every day when they come to, to class to interact with an expert, right? To come to our, to come to our office hours, to be able to ask questions, to be able to learn from one another, right? And so this is why we have so much emphasis, especially in higher, in upper level courses, to make them discussion-based, right? Like that is the hope, right? That we start with the intro courses in psychology at Virginia Tech. Those are classes, those are courses with three, 300 students, right? And then as you go through 1,000 level courses, 2,000 level courses, 3,000 level courses, and then when you get to 4,000 level courses, the seniors, senior seminars um, that I teach, those are only 20, 20 students in them. Right, and what the students get from that is that right is that is that interaction, and um, I can when I receive the student evaluations from last semester, which was the semester that we tra tra uh, transitioned to on uh, online, those 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 evaluations from the, from the students really re re uh, reflected how much they got from the in-person interaction, right? And so I think, so for, for example, when I was in graduate school, that, uh, th there was a lot of emphasis to grow higher ed uh, towards online courses. And that's not what I was seeing at Virginia Tech at all, right? And there has not been a single undergraduate student that I had asked, what do you think about online uh, courses that has told me that they like them? Right. So they don't like them. They they come all the way over here to southwestern Virginia. They pay thousands of dollars to to get that in person, that interaction, that discussion with with their with their with their with their classmates. Right. They, they say we learn so much from from one another. And so and so I think that 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 is what right now the conflict is right on the one hand we know that the safer thing would be like oh yeah let's not have a semester right uh, or let's do the semester 100 percent on on online but we know that that's not what the students want and we know that that's not what they 
uh, need, right? Moreover, there's this whole issue of equity and what different kinds of students are able to get from this, right? So are you the kind of, are you the student that comes from an affluent background who has a comfortable home with high speed internet, your own computer, your space to be in class? Do you have access to other kinds of enriching activities? Or are you the kind of student who doesn't have any of those, of those things, right? And that's what we see in children and in college students that this this is not as disruptive to affluent to students from affluent backgrounds as it is to to students from from less affluent backgrounds right so so i think i think that that this conflict goes beyond what's easiest for the institution and why are we pushing through with trying to have in person classes as much as possible as safe as possible how, how how has it i'm curious i mean your, your take as an educator and as a as a professor and somebody in, in this space and also a parent i'm curious on how have you embraced working and also educating your your kids like how has this uh, situation shifted the way that you go around this because i'm sure that most of the people that ha are having to do this like balance their nine to five and also tutor their kids, they probably don't have a formal background in education, right? So I'm curious, like, uh, what's your take on, on, on this? So my take on that is, well, is that I, I think I've been realizing how fortunate I am, right, in, in, in many different ways. One of them, or, or actually in being very mindful and intentional about realizing the things that I am thankful for. So one is that both of my husband and I are professors. And so we work for the same institution. So we have had a lot of flexibility, right? So in plain and simple terms, what we've been doing is we split the time with work and the kids, right? So I work in the mornings and he stays with the kids in the morning and then I work in the after and then I stay with the kids in the afternoon and he and he stays with the kids in the afternoon. And And I know that we are able to do that because we are both educators, right? So I have, so if I, I know that the faculty members whose spouses are essential workers are virtually with no help at all, with no way to, to, to split up the burden. So that's how we've been doing things. And then I personally, so my children are not school age yet. My oldest is supposed to start kinder, kin, uh, kindergarten in the fall semester. And so, so I haven't had to worry about online, online learning, <laughs> right? Uh, or curric yes. uh, curriculum. So what I was saying earlier, I see it with her, right? So I have been able to focus entirely on enriching experiences, right? So I've been able to have time to teach her how, um, how, how to read and write in, in Spanish, right? So that's something that I would, I would not have been able to do otherwise, right? It was sort of like, oh, I know I should teach her to read and write in Spanish before she learns in English. I wonder how am I, when am I going to be able to do that? Now it's the time, right? Perfect. And so we've been making a lot of progress on that. I also want to encourage her uh, participation in STEM. And so we've been able to, I've been able to do enriching activities almost every day with a mind towards STEM. So we do uh, science experiments every day, almost every day. And so on the days that we don't do science experiments, we do baking with, math as a goal right so we talk about fractions when we when we bake and, and stuff like that and so 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 that's how we've been able to do it we have the flexibility to split it up to continue doing our work with very diminished times but has also given us the opportunity to enrich the education of our children and so my daughter is now speaking 
only only Spanish almost, right? Wow. Which was often not the case before when she was going to um, school in English. And we've been able to do sign sign language with the baby, and so and and so he's developing great, of course, because. He has our, our undivided attention when he when he when he has it, and it's been a, it's been a privilege to to see them grow. <laughs> In amazing. addition to being a professor, right, <laughs> the, the the rest of the time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I wonder, I remember that in, in one of our conversations before this, you, you mentioned that you decided not to do lectures while the semester was finishing up. Uh, because yeah. of the students, uh, it's a lot of stress, a lot of tension, a yeah. lot of uncertainty. What made you reach that decision? How how did it play out in the end? So I am I am now owning up to my or, or not only I have changed my mind in that regard in terms of mm -hmm. what I will do in the future. But I I I, I think that. After the transition to online, so I was only teaching one class at the time. It was the senior seminar. It was discussion-based. It didn't include exams. Half of the course was student presentations. And so my emphasis throughout was we are in a crisis, right? I want to show uh, grace to the students. And I, I don't want to add a burden, right? And so I, I was able to transition the majority of the things except the in-person this, this, this discussions precisely because I didn't know, because the students didn't sign up for that. Right, and I didn't know what what resources did they did they have available, right? And so that is not going to be the case in the fall semester. This is not going to be the case in the fall semester because now we are because now I can plan ahead and I can be upfront to this uh, with this with this with the students what is it that they are going to sign up for, right? So we are being asked to on our courses to list is this going to be hybrid? Is this going to be in person? Is this going to be online only? If it's going to be online only, is it going to be synch synch synchronous or a asynchronous? And so in that way, students for for example for whom the resources do not allow for a high-speed internet connection and cannot do synchronous lectures, then they will know ahead of time and would not sign up for, for that. I still, I, I, I still, I, I am not a fan of lectures in general, right? And so I had been, I have been privileged enough to only have senior seminars in which it can all be discussion-based, but I will start teaching a, a more content-geared course in the fall semester. It's going to be developmental science. And before COVID, I was already, way before, I was already thinking about different ways of having a course. So I, I, the course is 45 students, right? So how do I do a non-lecture course with 45 students. And so there is a website called Perusal per that I'm considering using. And basically the course, have you, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. So Perusal, what it is, is a social reading platform. And so students, all, all students in the class have access to the, to the textbook and they have to annotate and interact on the online on uh, online textbook and then the core the the program gives you a confusion score so it, it tells you okay these these are the sections that students were the most confused about this is what I, that generated the most commentary the most comments and, and interaction and so my plan is to have those assignments be due before the the lecture part and then do my my sessions with them whether it is online or in person I, I don't know what will happen yet to have those sessions be entirely about the confusion scores to, to, to say look all of you read all of you read the textbook all of you commented and had questions on these on these topics this is what we're going to talk about And so it is a very different kind of role for me, right? So as, as opposed to, okay, you read and then I'm going to 
repeat everything and you ask me questions that you have them right and i could have the same lecture every time i teach this course well this is more work for me in the sense that i every single lecture will be completely new and it will be geared precisely to that group of group of, of students so that was my plan before and i'm I think this will be good, and and I think this will be the kind of thing that would be able to work um, mm -hmm. in a in a hybrid fashion. <laughs> Got it. I, I I'm gonna check out that platform perusal because uh, it sounds really exciting. Yeah. Um, I like that approach. That hey, I'm not gonna go over the part of the book that you understood because clearly the numbers show me that you understood it. Let's focus on the weak points, on the things that are not are not clear. That I, I like that approach. And, and, and going, 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 uh, going back to my point earlier about what is it that we offer, right? It is precisely that, right? Like anyone can go and buy a, a developmental science book, right? But having the, the, or online, and you can read it if you want, right? But it is completely different, the being able to discuss these, to discuss these things with an expert like myself, right? Yeah. And, 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 and having me answer their questions in real time and having that interaction with all of these students, right? Again, I, I think that is what, what, what we offer, right? This is what the model is based on. And, and that is what right now we are really struggling or, or not really struggling, but this, this is what our emphasis is right now. How do we continue to offer this while keeping everyone safe? <laughs> Course, keeping their their health in integral yeah yeah I, i would be curious to to ask an incoming college freshman or even a sophomore uh i think a sophomore because somebody that actually had that experience of being on campus as a freshman and then yeah. what do they think of coming back as a sophomore would they even come back as a sophomore right uh, just just coming from the the value for your buck kind of argument that, hey, I'm paying tuition at UC Santa Barbara because I want to go to college next to the ocean and I want to surf after my classes. Um, <laughs> not going to be able to do that anymore. So should I really spend the $20,000, $30,000 in yearly tuition if I'm not going to be able to do that? Yeah. So it's, a, again, it doesn't have an answer. Everybody has their own answer. Where I'm curious how this is going to redefine the way that we look at, at a college degree as a, almost, as, a, almost as, a, as an entry point for the, for the workforce. And again, like uh, you have your academic background and my parents were academics. So team college, I mean, I think it's super important part of your formation, you know, to be able to be exposed to different ideas and different experiences Uh, so it, it pains me, exposure, yeah, and it pains me that the 2020, 2021, 2022 generation is going to have a rocky experience, so that, that really breaks my heart. And, and I think when we think about what is the value of, of a college degree, I, I think it was a group of economists, I think from elsewhere, that they cal cal calculated and they said, oh, a college degree doesn't even add much or was it from a more prestigious education you know from a more prestigious institution mm -hmm. to a less uh, prestigious institution and then when economists from Virginia Tech looked at that data more closely they realized that there is that that for people who already have privilege right so for white males from affluent backgrounds the value of a college degree was not very much. When you look at minority students, low-income minority students for women, the value of a college degree was huge, right? Mm -hmm. And so one question is, okay, where is it coming from, right? Is it from the content? Or is it actually from something that I, that I know you are, are very much interested and, and very good at, which is, The networking piece, right, mm -hmm. is that for all of those white males from affluent backgrounds, their families are already connected enough, right, that they could possibly get those jobs that they got regardless, right? They're already socialized in our society enough, right, especially in their positions of pri pri uh, pri privilege and power, that going, going to college really doesn't offer them that much in terms of upward mobility, 
right? But it is for people who have no family connections, right? For immigrants like ourselves, right? Like there was no job my mom was gonna get me, right? But but right, and, and so for for underrepresented minorities like us, that makes a huge difference, right? And that's also I think going back to this question or okay, what is the value of a college education? It is being on campus, right? It is joining those extracurricular activities, joining those 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 clubs, the fraternities, the sororities, the getting your mm-hmm. your name out there. Even something like academic conferences, right? So we we academics, we have these conferences, we get together in small, large conferences that could be thousands of people over a number of days. Someone like my husband, he loves to go to these conferences. He goes to maybe six the value of those conferences is to say oh yeah we we can have the conference online well the value of the conference is that you go there you sit you listen sure you get some cool ideas but that's not the value of the conference the value of the conference is the networking right and and again i think that higher higher education is so much about that the interactions the coming together that in a hopeful way, and this is probably not what you want to hear, I I think that it's not going to change things that much, right? I, I think when things, and maybe this is very naive in my part, mm-hmm. so, much, so many memes out there yeah. about how there is no going back to normal, right? But from everything that I know from students, every every single conversation that I know from from students, lets me think that that they do want to go back (laughs) and that they want to go back in person and my hope is that we'll that that we'll get we'll keep the the good things that are changing but humans are social animals right it's really really hard to be away from from your friends from your colleagues it's really hard to learn sitting in front of a computer by yourself <laughs> yeah right? yeah like the, the sheer amount of motivation and uh, discipline that it takes right uh, because again part of the whole uh, and this happens to me part of the whole reason why i love synchronous lectures is because okay i need to be up and ready to go to the lecture from nine to ten monday wednesday friday yeah. uh, if you give me okay here are all the 24 lectures you need to watch you can watch them anytime. Here they are. The motivation to go through them, oh my gosh, it takes, it takes so much out of me. But again, I mean, and, and how do you have going a discussion? Up, yeah, right. it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, have a discussion. Because it also depends on the, the learning style, right? Because some people are kinesthetic, some people are auditory. I like to hash out ideas verbally. Teaching is the way I learn, just taking a concept and making a podcast out of it. <laughs> so so, if, if I may, please. The, the research on learning styles has not corroborated them. Right? And Interesting. so, yeah, so, so, so think of yourself as a visual learner, as a kinesthetic learning. It's, it's, it, the, the data is not there to back that up. What, what data is there to back up is that different things are learned in different ways and that there are better ways to learn things than others. And Google, everyone learns better by teaching. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there is no better way, right, than to, than, than to absorb and inf- that, 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 than to acquire information, understand it enough put it in context enough, make enough connections in your own brain, right, to then explain it to someone else, that is, that, that is the best way to, to, to learn. And, you know, and, and that is so much of what we try to do with, so at Virginia Attack, there's so much emphasis on applied learning, right? Experiential learning, we call it, right? And again, these are all the things that are being, that, that we are not able to, to do in the middle of this, of this pandemic and, 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 the, and the different kinds of learning that we, that we, that we are having to, to look, look, look into. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's a single college student that says, yeah, I like to go to class so that my professor gives me a summary of the textbook. 
right? No, no, no. no and so, and that is case. the most that you can do with a asynchronous kind, kind, kind of lecture. So, so that's why I am like, no, you know, I, I am not going to do that. I am going to do synchronous because, so I am going to do synchronous experiences, whatever they look like, because I want a back and forth. I want to I, I want to talk about the things that they are confused about, the things that they that they are curious about, the repercussions, the the extra the the extra context that 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 are that's not provided by the materials, but that I can provide for them. Right, that it's my job to 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 provide for them. Of course, yeah. of course, and 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 folks, for for the two or three people listening to this. That's why you get professor friends, so they can tell you that, uh, yeah, these learning styles things. That's uh, yeah, that's like cosmopolitan uh, school of psychology. That's <laughs> that's not that. That's old. That's old data. That's like, a, yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, no, thank you, thank you for. I'm passionate about e-learning and all these things. So no, I'm 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 definitely gonna look more into this. That's amazing. Yeah, look it up. I mean, because it it definitely is an is an attractive. Um, idea. It, it's such an attractive idea that it's it's had it, it's had a very long life, right? In education theory or in in how most most people understand educations. And I, and I think at the end of the day, it's because there are different 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 things that are are better learned in different in different ways, right? Of course. And so yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody goes to tell you that how people how people love quizzes. People love taking things like the Myers-Briggs just because, oh yeah, I'm a performer or I'm a, and Steve Jobs was a performer and so was Abraham Lincoln. So like people love that like social proof stuff. And then uh, you read deeper on the, what's your take on the Myers-Briggs? I'm curious. I'm talking to a psychologist here, please. So I so I am not a counselor psychologist, right? So so I, I, I don't do I, I don't do any of this in my I, I don't do any of this in my work. So I don't have that much of an informed knowledge on it. But personally, I always felt not described enough by any of these things, right? I, I think even the most basic categorization of human personality that everyday people come up with: Are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? That doesn't even apply to me, right? Like, like, and so at the most, at the very basic level, I am neither, right? I, what is it that I, I am? An introverted extrovert or something like that, right? And so, mm-hmm. and so, I think that, that that there are patterns that, like, the Myers Briggs in uh, Briggs, and that it provides this this description prescription right so it tells you what's out there and, and and we do see that there are important things regarding it and but yeah i'm not a i'm not a crazy fan <laughs> as, yeah as you can tell yeah uh, yeah i actually i was doing some research on it and i found this big five assessment and i and i went through it and and again, it's one of those things that, and I hate to, I'm not making a comparison. Uh, I'm just saying that I had this horoscope experience in the sense that okay. as I was reading it, I'm like, wow, that's me. That's me. That's me. Uh, so like, oh yeah, like you're extroverted, but then you have some difficulty on focusing on tasks that you have to deliver on. I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so so and again these are like very generic things but i don't know apparently like big five is is a more the big five assessment is a more um accepted uh, kind yeah of. no it is accepted and 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 there are and there is enough research to to back it up and yeah <laughs> no that, that's amazing endorse um, endorse <laughs> they have also made a lot of money with it by the way yeah, I mean, this quiz was only nine ninety five, but imagine if ten thousand people take it, and hey, there you go, uh, <laughs> you're good for a little while. I'm curious on your take on students taking a gap year, and like one out of six freshmen right now are considering deferring twenty twenty mm-hmm. to twenty twenty one. So I'm curious, what's your take on it? How can people? Uh, what's your take on people taking a gap year? and uh, making the most out of it? I am very much pro having 
real world experience in the career that you are going to take. Because I think that when you are 18 years of age, right, and you're graduating high school, whatever job you think you want, you have no idea what that job is actually like. And I, and I would even say the same thing for when you graduate from college, right? With it, if you graduate without, with a bachelor's degree, without an actual experiential learning component, you have no idea what that job is going to be, right? So I graduated with a BA in psych- psychology, and then I went to work a mental rehabilitation facility for a year. And I am so thankful I did that because I realized I did not want anything to do with that, <laughs> right? And so... <laughs> And that's what I realized. I'm like, okay, I definitely am not going to be a mental health counselor, right? That's not my thing at all. And I would not have known that without having taken that gap year, right? So my gap year came after a bachelor's degree before going to a doctorate degree. And so I and so I think it's a great thing. I think that students so so if perhaps I would say if you are undecided maybe don't take a gap year because I think that that college gives you the opportunity to explore, right? Like we have uh, Virginia Tech, it's called exploratory minor, right? And one thing that, that I say, even, even, even in graduate school, the beauty of higher, the beauty of higher education is that, again, you have access to experts, right? Like when is the, this is the only time in your life where someone with a doctorate in the topic that you want to learn is going to stand and explain everything to you, right? As nicely as possible. Are gonna, is going to read your work and give you their opinions, etc. And so again, so if you're undecided, don't take a gap year. Take many different classes, right, in many different things, and then start. If you think you already know what you want to do and you want to take a gap year, take a gap year and explore what that job will actually look like. And and is this really what you want to do? And are there different ways of getting to that to that point and speak to experts in the field and, and get to know what are what are the best ways uh, to do that? Going back to my point earlier, this is something that will be very easy for someone from an affluent background as well and all of that. But it's something that unless you're in college, someone from a less affluent background, an immigrant person, for example, is not going to have access to those to those enriching experiences. And so in that case, college provides you the opportunity to do those kinds of things, to find out, to have, again, those experiential learning, those networking mm-hmm. opportunities to know what what you really want <laughs> or is what you think you want actually what exactly you want. <laughs> yeah no 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 plan survives contact with the enemy you may think that you have everything figured out but again when you expose yourself to it then like oh yeah this is not for me uh, this is not for me and and yeah i love that you mentioned the fact that the the importance of networking and and having that social capital because, yeah. I mean, how much time of your life uh, can you save if uh, you're wondering, oh, yeah, I would love to work at, uh, I would love to work at company X. And then if you actually know somebody that works at company X, you can, and you can ask them, hey, get a cup of coffee, a virtual coffee chat, and hey, how are things there? What do you guys do? What drives you every day? Or, or what's the... A job environment like how are they taking the COVID nineteen situation? Uh, a big thing right now, uh, at least in in tech. I'm not sure about other industries. Is because people uh, hop jobs so much, uh, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to ask a lot of questions to your interviewer. As hey, like tell me about day to day. How are goals set? What are the challenges right now? A big question is tell me what specific actions the company took to ensure the safety and well-being of employees through COVID-19. Yeah. And depending on their answer, okay, if it's good for you or not. Um, exactly. Does your family have the financial, is in the financial position to support you while you do an unpaid internship versus right. not? Right. Right. 
Uh, and so, so if they do, then then this is great. That this is a great opportunity to defer mm-hmm. and and go do an unpaid internship, do an apprenticeship of of sorts. But if you don't have that possibility, and 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 I think that's also the problem that that when we when we think of a gap year, that looked very different before. <laughs> Right. right. Uh, I would go to I would go to New Zealand and shepherd sheep or something like that. Uh, exactly. My 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 uncle he went to France and he worked at a winery for a year. Uh, oh really? And, like crushing grapes and you know putting on fences and things like that. Yeah, I mean he was exactly. seventeen, so it was cool for him. He got to live in France for a year. So that's that's excellent, right? But and and so and so I I don't think. I don't think that taking a gap year right now is going to be as enriching as it was before. My worry is precisely with those students for 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 whom this is the best vehicle for social mobility, right? I, I don't think there's any other out there in our society right now, a better vehicle for social mobility mobility than, than higher education. And so if you're already up there, if you're already at the top, then you're not going anywhere if you're at the top already, right? But, but for those of us at the bottom who started at the bottom, this is, this is a very big deal. And, and, and it makes a huge difference in the lives of people like myself, right? Uh, of, in the lives of immigrants, in the lives of women, in the lives of people of color. And so, yeah, <laughs> go, go, go higher ed. <laughs> go higher ed. No, no, it's, it's, uh, it definitely fits, definitely, it serves a purpose. It serves a very, a very important purpose. Things are going to evolve. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people are still going to be going to college. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, I see this as a disruption. But again, again. It's, it's time to evaluate again, like uh, how are, especially because we, we see all those horror stories, right, of professors that don't know how to use Zoom or the platforms. It's going to shine a light on that digital divide of, a, like, am I really paying $10,000 a quarter for the professor that doesn't know how to use a camera? So it's going to shine lights on those things. And, and people are going to, especially professors or administrators are going to have to ramp up quickly on these tools. Yeah, and so for example, there has been there have been a lot of opportunities for that. A professional in course design for higher ed goes through my course, and and they know about all of the different programs like Perusal that I mentioned earlier, or all mm-hmm. of the features on on Canvas, Cultura, and they're able to give you to give you advice recommendations on how to do that, right? And there were all of these courses that faculty could could take, and. And students too, right? One of, one of the things that we emphasize a lot to to students at the end of, of the last co- of the last term was ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, at Virginia Tech, we have a fund for for students. If you need financial help, there is someone at Virginia Tech that can give you that financial help, right? We have a counseling center. Uh, we have all sorts of things that do you need a, Do you need an extension? Just talk to your professors, talk to your administrators, ask, ask, just ask. And right now we're giving them same message to faculty, right? Do you need help? with doing the online transition is this something that is a hundred is completely new to you ask for help we have the resources we virginia tech is a huge institution right and there are a lot of resources available so so i i think that is the most important thing right now (laughs) i think so too and then too i want to be respectful of your time because uh uh, and i'm curious on your take on just to, to finish you know closing I'm curious on, you know, you are sitting in the professor side, in the instructor side, you're sitting, and there's a lot of college students and young professionals that listen to this uh, that happen to be first generation and people of color as well. And I'm curious on what kind of behaviors do you want to see in them, especially when they're attending these lectures online and as you mentioned before, that uh, maybe folks that are first generation, they don't have uh, parents that can coach them in, okay, so this is how you talk to a professor 
or this right. is how you ask for a recommendation letter or, or things of that nature. So I'm curious on, from a professor, how do you wish a first generation or students in general behave with you? What kind of behaviors, what kind of uh, habits do you wish to see in them? So I, my answer to that is, and this is a huge thing for me, is the same of what I was saying earlier, is ask for help. I think okay. that is the main issue that students precisely under represented minority students are not aware of all of the resources out there, right? So for example, at Virginia Tech, we have the cultural centers. So we have the Black Cultural Center, the the Asian Cultural Center, the Hispanic Cultural Center, we call it El Centro. And there are people there, right, that are paid by the university, that are given resources by the university precisely to help these students, right, to provide the support that they need to, to try to equal the playing field as, as much as possible. I think I gave, I think I talked the last time that I, that I was uh, on the podcast about this, but it's just a, to me, is a very vi visible example. So when I taught intro course, right, so a 1,000 level course, of 104 students, I had maybe three accommodations through the Office of Students for Disabilities, right? By the time I am teaching senior seminar with 20 students, I usually have four or five accommodations, right? So is it that students in intro courses have less disabilities than students in, mm. in upper level courses? Absolutely not. Actually, students with disabilities have probably dropped out by the time you get to, by the time you get to a senior seminar. It is the students who have been able to uh, make it. So why such few accommodations? Simply because students don't know about, even about their own di 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 uh, diagnosis or even about the resources that are available on campus. And so, right, so, so there's a student, there's SS SSD office, there are the cultural centers, there are, there are also very simple things like a writing center. Right. I tell I tell I tell students, look, I English was not my first language. I benefited immensely from going to the writing center when I was an undergrad for English, for in French, for a minor. And and I tell students everyone should go to the writing center. When you turn in a paper, the professor is going to read it, give you a grade. At the writing at, at the writing center, someone sits with you. Probably not now, right? But before in person, they sat right next to you and they read your paper and they told you and they told you exactly what the problem is. They explained the rules to you. Who else is going to do that for you? No one else is going to do that for you, right? I, I think I learned more about writing English from those sessions at the writing center than from my English one in college, right? Because of course, those, those courses are not there for that. And so, especially for underrepresented minority students, go to the writing center, go to all of the centers, go to the career center, go to your, if you're underrepresented minority, minority student, go to the center that caters to that. Go to, go to the right, to the counseling center. Again, because through COVID and before, ask for help. I think underrepresented minority students don't ask for help enough. Freshmen don't ask for help enough, right? I've had students come to my office hours and be like, I'm really, I'm really struggling with the material. And I ask them, have you read the book? And they say, no, maybe I should try that. It's like, yeah, read the book. And if you need someone to tell you that, we are there to do that, <laughs> right? right? Like, like, I have many more students come to office hours when I teach seniors than when I teach fr uh, freshmen, right? They don't feel comfortable. They, you know, they probably feel intimidated, whatever it, it is, but ask for help. Learn to ask for help, which is another way of saying advocate for yourself. Identify for yourself. the... the needs that you have and know that at a large institution at a large university there probably is something there that that to help you and provide that that support yeah. that's fantastic uh thank you thank you for for mentioning all those tips 
And it reminds me on this take that I heard somewhere that when you look at senior students, uh, uh -huh. you have that uh, survivor bias that right. the ones that are the, the ones that made it all the way through the funnel are the ones that already had those behaviors built in or they yeah. build them along the way. So, yeah, so, and that's why mentoring is so important, right? So the fact that you need to find somebody that's do, studying the same thing you're studying and meeting with them, asking them questions, going back to that social value prop of college. Yeah. No, yeah, everything ties together nicely. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> Vanessa, thank you for your time. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you'd like to share that you're working on? No, I think I I think in in general I'm hopeful for the for for the future. I, I am I am hopeful for the role that 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 higher education continues to to play. And I am you 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 and I are friends. I and and I know that I am that I am a critical person. That I <laughs> I don't drink the Kool Aid as as much as I may I may seem right now. But so I know that there are huge problems uh, for sure with the model of a higher higher ed. But like I said before, it is the best vehicle for social mobility that that we that we have in our society, and it's it's endured for hundreds of thousands of years for a reason, right? And regarding COVID in general, I I, I really hope that that we are able to hold on to the to to the good right like so many so many good things have can come out from this situation whether it's increased social awareness that has given rise to this strengthening of the black the black lives matter movement whether it is doctors becoming more accessible to, through tele, tele, telehealth whether it's faculty you know professors having to really come to terms with what is it that what is what is it that what is the real value that we offer whether it's increasing mindfulness and gratitude I, I i think that there's a lot of good that that can come out through societal transformation and i'm here for it <laughs> I'm amazing. ready. <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. Uh, I'll put your Twitter handle in the show notes so people can go and follow you and check out all the content you put out. Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for making any time. Yeah, always happy pleasure. to chat with you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Goodbye.